My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. My name is Dallas Montague and I am the co-host here today. And today we have another amazing guest, Blake Isbell. Blake How are you today? It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm doing great, Dallas. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's my pleasure. And our audience are going to really enjoy your time here today. Blake, you are a musician. You've been writing music for quite a a while now. And you have two studio albums that we're going to talk about today. And your most recent, tell us what the title is, please. So my second studio album is titled Letters to Lipscomb. And your first album was titled? My first album is titled Tales of Navarro. Okay, so we're going to talk about both of those. Stay tuned. And before we talk about those specifically in your career as a musician and all of those fun things, I just want to ask you your personal testimony. So tell us a little bit about your faith journey, your life with Christ, some things like this, so we can get to know you a little bit better. Okay, so my introduction to Christ and Christianity began when I was very young. I had uh, my my mother was a Christian, and she, uh, and also I had some other family members like my grandmother, and they would give me like these books to read. That I remember, I had one that was like. 365 short stories or something. So, you know, I started with all the Bible tales and like Adam and Eve and David and Goliath and Samson and all that fun stuff. And so I I always knew about Christ and knew about the story of the Bible ever since I was little. And my mother would always say a prayer with me every single night, which was uh, growing up when I was young, which was really cool. And then whenever I hit about 11, 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there, my faith really started to come through. And there were some difficult times, even at that age that I was going through. And I just started developing a very, a very personal and intimate relationship with God and started, you know, praying. And I think my favorite activity has always been like my favorite way to connect with God has always been through music, singing songs to Him and really uh because a lot of a lot of songs are prayers and so i catch myself praying in the songs or even like just saying a prayer praying lyrics of a song sometimes like it it just happens because i probably have like over a thousand songs memorized ever since i was little that's been like my biggest talent is memorizing lyrics to songs and stuff so i have a lot of stuff memorized and i can just whip it out of my head and and you're saying like the lyrics are also the chords as well um, not the chords. I, I'm talking about like being able to sing the melody and the lyrics from a mm-hmm. song that I just hear. All of the Christian songs that, you know, I can memorize it like after two or three times I listen to it. I was better when I was younger. Now it might take me a little bit longer depending on the song. But I would have I have like thousand over a thousand. I don't even know how much, but it's definitely over a thousand different Christian songs memorized. And so they they play a really special part with my relationship with God. And I think my favorite thing about God 
is, uh, well, that's really hard to say, actually. One of my favorite things about God is that he's been there through every single chapter of my life because I've had many different chapters of my life. And so, and God knows me better than I know myself. And I really, uh, I believe that God is the ultimate artist. Like he's like the number one biggest artist. I mean, he created everything. And so it's really cool. Like once you surrender your life to him and, and he kind of has, he's like kind of, it's like the puppet master of, of certain things. It's really cool whenever something enters your life and you're like, why is this here? Like, what is this? Why am I here? Why did this happen? X, Y, Z. And then like later, a year or two later, you realize, wow, that's why that happened. That's, that's what God was doing. And, and I, I believe that God speaks in many different ways and it's very beautiful. And I find, I find a lot of comfort because there's been people that have come in and out of my life throughout all my chapters. And it's very comforting to have a relationship that's consistent throughout my entire life. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have that blessing because I did get to know God and, and became a Christian when I was young. So as well. So yeah. Yeah. Blake, thanks for sharing that. Now I feel like we know you a little bit better. We can ask you some deeper questions. For example, okay. When did you find out, like when people would be like, hey, you can sing really well. Like what age did you realize? Yeah, I can, you know? <laughs> the Dwelling Place Lounge is in partnership with the social media ministry for the Dwelling Place Church in Anchorage, Alaska. In the lounge, they weekly discuss each Sunday's message and go further in depth and reflect on the powerful message given. You will be listening to their campus senior pastor, Peach Jones, along with co-host Ray Daniel for further learning in a fun and laid-back podcast style. Find more information by searching thedwellingplaceak.com. If there is one relationship book you should read, this is it. We have left Relationship Matters to singles who are looking or married who are in trouble. The statistics highlighting loneliness are dumbfounding. Something is seriously wrong and we are not paying attention to it. The heart of a true lover in exposition of the Song of Solomon has everything you need to set relationships right in your life. Find your copy of The Heart of a True Lover in Exposition of the Song of Solomon on Amazon today. Yeah, so I actually was so afraid of singing when I was younger. It's so weird because I actually don't get stage fright these days at all. Like I get scared when I talk. I, I'm more afraid of public speaking than I am performing. Give me like a guitar and something to sing and I am not scared at all. And well, I why think do you that think definitely, that is? What do you think the difference is for that in your mind? Maybe because I just feel more comfortable. I mean, I've always said that whenever I'm like uh, singing a song or something, that's just kind of my natural habitat, my natural environment. And I feel like I'm able to express myself at its purest form. And whenever I speak, I things aren't always taken. I don't feel like I have as much control with how things are taken as much whenever I'm speaking. But if whenever I'm singing a song, it's like on a different level. And it's like I have more control over the message that I'm trying to deliver. And the and the, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a song and not just words. But also, I I have an insecurity about my speaking voice too. Uh, we all have insecurities. And so that's one of my insecurities, but I really do like to listen to my singing voice. I feel like a lot of people don't like their singing voice, but I like to listen to my singing voice. I don't have a problem with that. So it's 
that also might play a play something into it and yeah and it's also really cool as well just being able to play a song and <laughs> like everybody can speak but not everyone can play a song that they wrote last night i mean <laughs> Um, as far as yeah. whenever I found out I was a good singer, I knew that I had a good voice, but like when I was younger, but of course, whenever boys are going through puberty and stuff, their voices change a whole lot. And so there was actually a period in time for like two years or so in my childhood where I could only sing bass. I could not sing tenor it's like my tenor stuff just went away but then somehow i guess it came back later and i could sing bass and tenor stuff because i have over a two octave range and the higher stuff started coming back later on and i started writing songs when i was a senior in high school my my singing has developed over time i'm not one of those people that just i'm this prodigy 10 year old that just can sing go on america's got talent and win the competition and and whatever like no this is something i've worked at for a long time and something i've developed and so i just kind of uh, the longer you do something you better the better you get at it that's typically how it goes so uh, i knew i had a good voice but then it was getting better at singing and, and i still have room for improvement as well like probably five years from now i'll be even better so it's really cool. We'll have to have you back on in five years and your fifth album comes out, you know, we'll yeah, have to talk about fifth it. Fifth or sixth album <laughs> or something, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Blake, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I can't relate with you in music because I don't play any instruments. I took a couple years of piano and I played some drums in high school, but musically talented is not something that I have. I did write my wife a song for her birthday and it's so hard to write music. And so I just got to ask, what was your first song? What was that like? What were some of the words? Oh, wow, what an interesting question. So the first song that I ever wrote is called Broken Soldier. And I wrote it in the middle of childhood depression. That's kind of how my songwriting started is it was a coping mechanism that I formed from childhood depression. I went through a very rough patch, like junior, senior year in high school. And I, I taught myself how to play guitar. I just looked up the chords and just did chord progressions over and over and over again. And then I started writing writing um, songs. And the first song I wrote is called Broken Soldier. And it tells the story of, um, it's not available anywhere. So if you wanted to listen to it, uh, maybe 10 years from now or something, I'll release <laughs> like uh, From the Vault, Broken Soldier, I don't know. But it's actually a pretty decent song. I wrote it in C-sharp minor. So the first song I ever wrote was in C-sharp minor. So that's really interesting. Um, it's not a very common <laughs> key to write a song in. Um, and it tells the story of a soldier kind of out at war and it's very morbid and dark. And I remember when I showed it to my mom, she was really worried. She was like, that's not <laughs> like you because typically I'm a very, you know, happier person, um, lighter personality. And I came up with this very dark song. And what's interesting is a lot of songs I wrote, like I probably had like 15 or 16 songs written probably within five months that I started songwriting. And most, almost all of those songs are what I like to call sad ballads. They're like slow songs and they're really sad, really depressing. It's like the type of music that you put on to try and make yourself feel better, but it doesn't always make you feel better. Sometimes it makes you feel worse. Um, <laughs> so yeah. It's like a very specific genre. Like it makes you feel better, but it doesn't. It's kind of worse. Yeah. I get it. Well, if you're wanting something to relate to, or if you mm -hmm. have an, like that really sad 
heartbreaking emotion that you're feeling right now and you want to explore that or feel understood or try to or something like that that's typically the genre you'll go to like that type of song sounds like and, you need to release it for us well i do have some songs that i wrote back in high school that are quite interesting actually and at some point in my career i do want to go back and write an album or two about my childhood because the way my artistry is set up is every album is like a chapter of my life that's kind of how it's set up in a way and so i don't have anything representing the first 19 years of my life so mm -hmm. i would probably end up at some point writing albums to reflect on that time of my life and who knows i might resurrect some of the classic high school ballads <laughs> the good stuff <laughs> that's great and tell us a little bit more about your first studio album so what was that like how old were you what inspired the album you said it's a little bit about your life but tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more about that yeah so uh whenever i started writing my first album i did not know that i was going to release it let alone record it this is just who I am. Like, this is how I process life. It's how I express myself. It's uh, like, there's probably 10 plus reasons why I do this. And I was applying for college at uh, Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee. Unfortunately, I did not get accepted with the first application that I did. So I was like, okay, well, I got to put pedal to the metal and start this now. And so I actually recorded my first album on my own. I, I produced it on my own. And then I got someone else to mix it and master it for me. A student at Nashville ended up like at, at Lipscomb, mixed it and mastered it for me. And whenever I first started writing the album, I just was really creative. And I kind of, first of all, the album is about Navarro, which is my first college. That's why it's called Tales of Navarro. It's a concept album. It has a fantasy vibe and every single song kind of has a plot and it tells one big story, but also the songs are, can stand alone as well. So it's really cool. You can listen to that album 500 times and you'll still probably find something that you didn't realize before. It has a lot of depth. I don't even remember everything I put in it. I just, it, it has so much stuff in it. I would say that the production quality is not as refined as my second or third album. Album. I'm sorry, I'm working on my third album right now. So there, Okay, there, I was like, we only heard about two. What's there, going on there here? There you go, yeah. I, I'm currently halfway through my third album and I'm really excited about it. But my albums after my first album, were produced in a professional studio with professional musicians and stuff and my first album is something i kind of did by myself at 18 so um so you definitely can hear a difference in quality and i definitely have considered re-recording my first album at some point in my career for that reason because i would like for it to have the same quality as the rest of my music but yeah so i just uh, every song relates to the fantasy aesthetic in the album but it also relates to something that happened in my life that's personal so it's it's really cool every single one of my songs are true i don't write fake songs i don't see the point in that i don't want to litter my discography with false stuff like because that's not what i'm about so i mean it's possible i'll write a song that isn't as related to me and it's kind of just uh, me having fun writing a song but more times than not there's something about it that relates to me in one way or another so yeah and that's part of the luxury of writing your own songs is you get to tell the story and you're not telling someone else's story 
and going into the second album so how long was it between the first one and the second like let's say the release of the first and the starting of the recording yeah so i released both albums in 2021 actually it took me a long time to figure out how to do the first album so the first album was in the works like from when i started recording it probably for 14 15 months because it's just i was doing it by myself and i had to figure out a lot of things on my own but my second album because i found a producer and i got in with the studio we recorded my second album in one summer and then i was able to release singles throughout the fall and then i released the whole thing in december of 2021 so both of my first two albums released in 2021 so that that's really cool and whenever i first started writing my second album i didn't know that it was going to be an album i was actually because i i had a very small chapter of my life in nashville it was only three or four months long but even though it was really short it felt like a bona fide chapter of my life that plays a part in my life story and so um and i knew that i was already moving on with my life so i knew that i had to it it was now or never like i have to get this album out and because it was such a short time frame and it was and it was only representing so, so little time in my life i um was going to do an EP. I was going to write like maybe four or five songs and release it. But what ended up happening is in May of 2021, when I, when I wasn't in school anymore, um, because it was summer, I had a, a week of just free time, which I don't get very often. And I started writing the EP and I ended up writing nine songs in one week. <laughs> so and i liked all of the songs so i wrote my entire second album i'm sorry not nine songs it was eight songs but i wrote my whole second album in one week i mean eight songs come on that's that's a lot for us people who don't do music that's a lot yeah i wrote my entire second album in one week except for one song my song laura which is track four i wrote that the winter of like december of 2020 but every other song on the album i wrote in one week and then i started recording it right after that and i managed to get all the recording done it's a short album it only has eight tracks on the standard edition and then it has two bonus tracks on um the physical copy i like that it's a short album because it was a it's to represent that that was also a short time in my life and i also felt like i got to talk about everything i wanted to talk about so it was really cool yeah talking a little bit more for our audience what is your genre what would you yeah so my home genre is pop Mm -hmm. i also borrow a lot from rock and country and folk so i kind of hang out in the pop realm but it's not just pure pop i kind of do hybrid genres so if you like country music i have something for you you'll probably like if you like rock i have something for you you'll probably like and also i always have at least one christian song on my albums because my albums are are a reflection of me and that's just my my christianity is such a big part of me and so if you like to listen to christian music you will definitely find that in my music as well and you'll also will find the influence of a christian writer because there there are things that are very people tell me all the time that my music sounds like christian music and even though like the the songs aren't directly about god you can feel the christian influence i would say in my art 
And a little bit about those songs that you said were inspired by your faith. Tell us a little bit more about those. What are the names of those songs? What are the, some of the things that you, you talk about in that song? So on my first album, well, first of all, I have a tradition where I always put the song about God as the second to last track. So I have like uh, these specific types of tracks that um, I do whenever I'm making an album. So there's an opening track and then there's a closing track and then there's like a second to last track, which is where I stick the Christian God song. On my first album, that song is called Hymn of the Outcast. And I love that song so much. I had so much fun writing that song. And I was going through a very traumatic time in my life. I had a very dark summer and I felt very hopeless and and it was it was very, very bad. And I remember the first time that I smiled and it was real. And, and so I kind of listed that as like um, the first glimpse of light that you have it, when you're going through a really, really dark time. And I wrote a song over that concept. So the song pivots off of the plot and the fantasy album. And it's it's about like someone that's on the shores of a, of a bay, like on, on like the beach and it's nighttime and there's palm trees swaying through the wind and, and they're just like lost. They're like an outcast that's lost out there. And then all of a sudden they, they see, um, they, there's a song earlier on the album called the tower and it's the tower of hope and the tower re returns in this song and he sees like the the end of the chorus is the lonely tower stands tall from the shore i found it in my lord so the tower he sees the tower that he had all that hope in from a song at the uh, at the beginning of the album and he's looking back on that and he Man, that's that cool when you can make it a story him for the first time yeah that's my first album for you um I think my first album is rather underrated. I think that because I produced it myself, it like people kind of listen to other stuff from me more. And I, that's why I feel like I have to re-record it because I really do feel like some of my work on my first album is some of my best work. But yeah, so I love Hymn of the Outcast. The bridge in Hymn of the Outcast is one of my favorites. I love it. It's it's so cool. I have like cannons firing in the background and and everything like it's, wow. it's yeah, really definitely cool. have to check that out. Definitely have to check yeah. that out. Yeah. And on my second album, the song is called I Trust in You. And my second album is themed around the idea of rejection and also change that was unexpected and figuring out how to cope with that that change. And I Trust in You is a piano ballad that is um, just pour me pouring my heart out to God. I, I'm, ref I'm reflecting on two or three particular moments that I spent with God in one-on-one -on -one and in prayer, and, and that's what the verses are over. And then I think that the chorus and then a part of the bridge is some of the most beautiful lyrics I've probably ever written. So I guess to cite the chorus real quick, the chorus is, I trust in you and all the trials you put me through, shaping me to be the man you want me to be. And I'll follow you, do what you want me to do. With you, I could catch the moon. I belong to you and I trust in you. And then the bridge has a lyric that is very, very emotional for me. And it, thank you for the blessings. I'll stay with you and love you forever. 
And that idea of like what I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, that idea that our relationship with God is always there. It's always consistent. And we will like, we'll stay with you and love you forever. Like what other thing like is more beautiful to me at least. And so that, that lyric, I find myself praying the lyrics to that song sometimes because I still have other things. I think we all can relate to that time in our lives when something happens that was unexpected and we don't know what's going to happen next. And then we just have to trust in God so that's what that song is about i actually cried in the vocal booth when i recorded that song that's a fun fact it's the only song that it's like that for so what you're listening when you hear the song i probably have like a tear running down my face or something so so it's a rather emotional one for me and we're going to talk about your third one coming out soon but i have another question in between what would you say are your two greatest gifts as a musician as a songwriter Whenever I listen to a bunch of music on the radio and stuff, they feel very bland and like, what, what is this about? <laughs> That's not everybody, of course. There's definitely phenomenal artists out there that will come on with songs. But, uh, and I think in Christian music, I also feel like in Christian music, it can get kind of repetitive as well. Like the same metaphors being used, <laughs> the, the very consistent and, and not, not really anything particularly unique a lot of times. Um, and I feel like my music is very, very unique. And I'm storytelling is something that is probably one of my two gifts that really set me apart. So the second gift that I'm saying is the creativity that I have. So because I get to do all stages of it, like I'm, I write it, I record it. Uh, and I'm also the one making decisions with the production as well. Like no one is there to tell me, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do this. That, that's probably the best thing about being an independent musician is I have control over. And I also get to own it all. I own my first two albums. Most artists, they don't own their work. Yeah, and I true. And I do. It's awesome. And so I, uh, there's a lot of perks of being an independent artist, but because I have that freedom, I get to make all the decisions. And so an idea that I have while I'm writing a song, I can take that to the studio and go for it and then put it in there. And it's something really wild. I think whenever you listen to my first album, you hear a ton of stuff like that because I have all kinds of stuff. I have um, like in my song, The Royal Ball, I have, I have like a door shutting. <laughs> like you just hear a door closing. And that's because the first part of the song, you're kind of outside on the balcony reminiscing in the stars, and then you hear a door shut, and then all of a sudden you're in the ballroom. So so that's wow. an example. And then, of course, I mentioned the canons and Hymn of the Outcast. So I, I like to make things very atmospheric with, with my music, and it's very creative, and it's stuff that you're probably not going to hear from very many other artists. And I also have a wide range of instruments that I put in my music. Like, I have harp. And I think the f there's an oboe. I played oboe growing up, by the way. Mm -hmm. So you hear me playing oboe in my first song, Hail Navarro, on my first album. And then on my song Dreamer, which is a bonus song on my second album, there's an alto flute. So that's all future featured all throughout the song. So there's a wide range of all kinds of sounds and instruments across all of my music. And that's able to happen because... I have control and I of those decisions, but also because I'm pretty creative and 
I am not afraid to go outside the box and do something different. Yeah, would you ever be willing to lose the control? Probably not. And the reason why is because my music means more than just the fact that I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. It is my primary form of expression. And it's, my, it's more about me telling my story and sharing my story with people. And if there's a song that I write that is so just, I have to tell this song, like this story is part of my story and people need to hear it. But then there, someone's like, no, like it's not catchy enough or it's uh, too long or whatever. Then, you know, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm like, no, I'm releasing the song. <laughs> Like, yeah. that's why I do what I do. I'm not doing this so I get famous or anything. Like, that's not my goal. So, no, I probably wouldn't be interested in losing the control, to tell you the truth. I mean, what I say goes with my artistry, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah I totally respect <laughs> they that. They might could talk me it. out of it. Yeah. yeah, they might could talk me out of it and say, say, like, I don't know about that song, and maybe I'll try to write another one that tells the same story or something, but I... uh I don't usually run into those problems, actually. Like, most of the time, my songs are good for the album. Yeah, whenever you're in control, you can decide what is, what, what stays, what goes, you know? it's. Yeah, that's why I went the independent uh, artist route, and I didn't try to get signed or anything. I'm like, I'm not interested. And I'm also not really interested in being famous. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But that doesn't sound like a lifestyle I'm interested in. I would like to be able to go out in public and live my life, you know? <laughs> so, so that's just not the direction I'm trying to go in. I'm just trying to tell my story and, and just try to connect with people and, you know, touch, touch people in whatever way I can. That's, that's more of what it's about. And finally, tell us a little bit more about this third album you're working on. You're halfway through. What's the title of the album? Can we know? Yeah, you can know. So the album is currently, unless I change my mind, but I feel very confident that it's going to be called Deconstruction. And it's going to, it's, it's shaping up to have 16 tracks and one bonus track. So 17 in total. And so it's the biggest album that I've made. I'm currently halfway through the process like i have about eight or nine songs finished mm -hmm. recording like if i wanted to release them all tomorrow i could like they're they're done but i'm still kind of writing the rest of the album um i have all the song ideas and i have fragments for them but i'm just finishing up the writing process and then i'm probably gonna i'm scheduled to finish recording it this summer and so i'm looking at like a fall release or a winter release right now. And why this title? Because I, we hear this word a lot. This is a popular word right now, deconstruction. So tell us a little bit more about the choosing of the, the name for this, this album. Yeah, my third album, <laughs> it's, it's very dark. It's a very dark album. It's probably the most vulnerable album I have ever put out and possibly ever. I mean, I don't know what my life's going to look like 20 years from now or anything, but it's definitely going to be one of the most vulnerable albums I ever put out. And I, I've had a lot of turmoil in my faith lately. I've realized that I didn't really understand the, um, I, I've kind of, I didn't really understand the concept of grace and atonement like I should have. And so what would happen is like I would sin and then I'd be terrified of going to hell because I sinned. And that's like, in my opinion, the most traumatizing thing ever because nothing is more scary than eternal damnation. Mm -hmm. 
And that's something that I lived almost all of my life. And so the particular doctrine that I was affiliated with, I have, uh, I had to cut out of my life for a lot of different reasons. And there was also something very traumatic that happened in my life over the past year that I will touch on in my album, but I'm, I'm very discreet kind of. It's like, if you know, you know, and if you really wanted to figure out what was happening, you would, but it's, it's like something you have to dig deeper into, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But there, I've gone through a really dark time over the past year, and that's what the album is about. And I have done a lot of reshaping of certain beliefs that I've had. I haven't, I never lost sight of God and the Bible and Christ and that type of stuff. But I have done a lot of reshaping over things that uh, I believe in, mm -hmm. like certain doctrine beliefs, and so. I was told that this is called a, a deconstruction period. Mm -hmm. And so this album is the story of my deconstruction and it touches on many different themes mm -hmm. that have to do with that wild roller coaster. And so that's, that's why it's called deconstruction. Well, Blake, thank you so much for sharing everything that you did today. We get to know you a little bit, your albums a little bit, your story a little bit as well. And if you could leave our audience with one overall thought from your time here today, what do you think that would be? I think the most important thing um, is probably what I said earlier on, just about the relationship with God and just trusting, trusting in Him and trusting that, you know, whenever you're going through a hard time, you know, He's still with you, even if you don't necessarily feel like He is, He is still with you. And if you just keep at it, uh, and you and you pay close enough attention, you'll figure out later on why things um, shaped out the way that they are. Because you know, there's kind of a domino effect that goes on through life. You know, you you never know what's what's going to happen, and certain things that happen to you will come in handy later. Um, you might meet somebody that went through something you went through, and then you're able to bond over that and help them, or something good might happen. <laughs> after something bad happened. Um, you know, I, I had this debate with a college professor. I'm graduated now, by the way, I'm not in college anymore. So, so that's, uh, that's great. But he told me that he believes that whenever your glass is empty, like when you don't, when you're in your darkest moment and you don't have anything going on, that is, that's when you are the most effective in God's kingdom. And I can understand what he where he's coming from, but I actually kind of disagree with that philosophy. I believe my glass has to be full in order to pour into other people. Because mm -hmm. if I don't have anything to give, then it becomes all about me. It becomes about me trying to survive, me trying to get through my whatever mental illnesses I'm going through. And it's, it's a lot more about me, but if I'm in a healthy place, I'm able to pour into a whole bunch of other people and really serve more, make more of a difference. So I believe that, you know, I really do believe in taking care of yourself. Like if you have something you're going through, it's okay to take care of yourself. Like you're not being selfish for taking care of whatever you need to take care of if you're going through a dark time, because I believe that we need to build one another up and all be in a healthy spot to pour into one another. So that's, that's a philosophy that I have that I wanted to share.
Yeah. Well, thank you, Blake. Thank you so much for joining us today. All the things that you shared, all of the links are below. You can find his albums. You can find his social media, his Instagram, his Facebook, anywhere else that we can find you. Do you have any music on YouTube as well? Um, I probably recommend, uh, like if you have all of those things, YouTube is probably the best experience because there are lyric videos for the first and second album. And then I have a song for my first album that has a music video. And then if you wanted to contact me, the best way to do that is through my website, blakeisbell.com. Very simple. It's just my name.com. And then there's an, a, a contact page that you can send me an email and I will reach out to, um, I'll, I'll be getting back in touch with you. Excellent. You, you definitely have a, a musician name. Blake Isbell. I mean, that's such a musician name. Blake Isbell. It's like, it's very quick. It's very easy. comes off the tongue. Well, thank you. It's really funny because the first song I ever released is called Ring. I released it in the fall of 2020. And it's a song about a bell ringer that's trying to get noticed. And so what I did is like the, um, I was like, what would my occupation be in this fantasy kingdom? And I was like, well, I'd be the bell ringer because my last name is Isbell. So <laughs> So the first the first uh, song that I ever released actually is kind of a play on my name as well. So that's really funny. Well, again, Blake, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of My Life Now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. Until we turn the next page together, stay classy.